With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support. It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Your support is what keeps our show going. Plus, we'll give you access to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in, and exclusively for EPPs, more than 30 full episodes. Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air. Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And today, while engaged in an adulterous affair, a man finds that something not of this world has blown his cover. Not everything is quiet and peaceful on one 1960s residential street. And what would you do if a ghost announced that he could see you while you were in the restroom? Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi. What would you do if a ghost announced that it was able to see you? I'd have a few choice words for it. <laughs> really? Yeah, <clears throat> I would. I don't. I don't get that. Why would... I don't, I don't understand why people would want to, to watch that process in life. More or less death. Um, well, in this story, it's a female going to the restroom and it's a male ghost. Still, that's nothing that is ever remotely sexualized in my mind. That's no. a, something where it's like, nope, don't want to uh, watch that. But my thinking is if you're a ghost <clears throat> and you can watch... And that's, that might be all the watching you get to do. That's all you is can that. get. It's, yeah. It's that desperate of a ghost. Like, well, I'll take what I can get, I guess. It's just announcing it. That would be the worst. <laughs> I could see messing with, like, if you were a ghost and you were stuck in a bathroom, I still wouldn't want to, like, turn around and be watching anyone do no. that. I would I would be hiding in the corner. I'd probably screw with people. Uh-huh. And then, like, start saying things and moving things. But I still would not be, like, watching. <laughs> just be like, nope, I'm good. If something announces that to me, that peaceful cohabitation, you yeah. know, that's out the window. It's just get the f out now. Yeah, even if even if it was like doing really good things for a long time, but suddenly it's in the bathroom with you. No, it's I'm like done. it's like being a nanny to your children and and cooking you dinner as a ghost, but suddenly it's in the bathroom. And w- it's, would you it trade? Tells me yeah. that it's not just like an accident. It's like I'm watching I, you. Oh shoot! I'm sorry. I'm in here. If it was an accident, that's one thing, but. I gotta hear how this one plays out. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm assuming it was a real, just straightforward, I'm watching. Yeah. Okay. It's very creepy. It's a little different. A little different. You got a creeper ghost on your hands. Yeah. I don't know how you handle that, but I don't know. <laughs> Is there like a, a ghost registry for that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sexual ghost offender registry <laughs> or something? Whatever you call that. Uh, or they should, they should start saying that you are going to be on this registry even in death. Because people are there for life, mm-hmm. but they should start adding it. And in the afterlife, you're on it now, too. Well, <laughs> we've had a story way back when I first started about mm-hmm. a pedophile that died who was still very much doing creepy things in the house where he used to live. Do you remember that? I barely remember. There were the details, but I do barely have a recollection of that one. Yeah. And it was creepy from what it I was. It was like, oh, my God, this is like. Well, creepy people have to die, so. And they remain creepy in death. Yeah. 
They do. That is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Uh, Kicking it off today uh, with a letter that says, Hey guys, it's Ren from Portland again. Been really busy with work and life lately and haven't had time to write in or call anything in. Still do listen to the show every day. And as you know, still continue to piss people off on your message board. (laughs) I haven't even begun listening to old EPP episodes yet. I don't think Ren pisses too many people off. He's usually one of the more tame and he's kind of a voice of reason a lot of times. I think so. And kind of like, okay, there's this perspective, here's that perspective. That's why people probably don't like it because they want to be engaged in an argument. And a lot of times he's kind of like... No, I hear, I see it from this perspective and that perspective. I can respect that, which is the point of the message board. He's not one of the posters. <clears throat> no. He's, he's no. very much just a yeah a good voice of reason. He's a good guy. Uh, talk about uh, prolific LOL. Anyway, uh, this uh, following story isn't as scary or as dramatic as many of the more recent stories you've had on, but it's a ghost story, so I'll tell it. When I was 19, full of hormones, I and I was a lot different person than the man I've become today. I had an affair with a married woman. I was single, and she was married. She was in an abusive relationship where her husband beat her. Here, and I was 19 and willing to go to bat for the to to save the damsel in distress. To get this out of the way, yes, yes, worst mistake of my life. Still regret the relationship to this day, and I don't recommend it to anyone. Before I go on, a little piece of backstory. Growing up, my uncle on my mom's side was like a father to me. Because for many years, while my dad was waiting to be able to come to America from the Philippines, I was just my, it was just my mom, and it would uh, spend a lot of time with him. He died when I was 16, and I felt his presence on and off at important times in my life. Back to the story. Uh, Sad woman and my relationship lasted about five months. Unbeknownst to me, during this time, my mother was experiencing some weird phenomena in the house. I still lived at home at this point. She didn't tell me until she found out about the whole thing and my life turned into a living hell. But according to her, whenever she sat at the dinner table watching TV while she ate after work, she would see a shadow. The shadow was uh, as tall as a person. It didn't walk or anything, but just sort of floated. And every time she saw it, she'd see it walk or float, whatever, from the living room. She could see both rooms from the dinner table to my bedroom. Then it would just disappear. First time, she said she thought she was seeing stuff. But it happened so many times, she had a gut feeling that whatever it was, was trying to clue her in that there was something going on with me that needed her attention. This is how the affair was revealed, and I broke it off. As my mom, who was my supervisor at the time at work, started asking around work if anyone knew what was going on with me. She thought maybe it was drugs, as she always thought, although I've never done anything worse than weed. It didn't take her long to find out I was having an affair with a girl in my department. My mom told me all this maybe a few weeks after all hell broke loose, after everything started going back to normal, and she started speaking to me again. Nothing scarier than a mom who refuses to talk to you. And after she found out the truth, she never saw that shadow man again. My gut tells me it was my uncle. The affair would have been something he would have been very against, and if if it were possible, uh, something that would have made him roll over in his grave, or at very least break through the veil to squash the affair in the real world. And at that point, he was the only person who I was close to who had died, would have given enough crap about me to try to intervene. Anyway, that's it for now. Keep up the great work, Ren. You know, it could very well be that it was the ghost of the uncle that did tip off the mother, but it might have been more than just, I don't approve. It might have been, hey, her husband's abusive. You yeah. know, you might be in danger kind of a thing. Yeah, if the husband uh, had no qualms about uh, abusing the wife, I'm sure he would have no issue with abusing you Yeah, had he found out or found out who you were. And I'm sure he thought about that, but that it could <clears throat> very well have been a warning, you sure. know, to save him. Um, and you can never doubt that mother's intuition. Mothers know when there's something off. We don't always know what it is, but we know when something's just not right, Mm -hmm. let alone have a shadow person try and draw attention to the situation. All mothers see shadow people. That's what the lesson. No, (laughs) no, but that's good. That's good that 
that was up. It's very, uh, very interesting story. Thank you for um, for writing that in and sharing that with us. Our phone number here, of course, 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story. Of course, you can also write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. If you like the show, you want more bonus episodes, and keeping us on the air is an important priority to you so you don't miss episodes, well, consider becoming an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. You can sign up on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Let's go to Angela in Michigan. Hi. Hi. My name is Angela. Uh, I'm a first-time caller, and I'm a big fan, and I'm calling from Michigan. Um, I have many stories about what my son uh, has called the man uh, when he was younger, who now my daughter now sees, and she calls him the businessman. But I will share one of my positive stories that that is uh, related to my son and the paranormal. Um, When he was two, before my daughter was born, he was afraid at night by the man, and that's what he would call him. He would scream and yell, the man, the man. But that all changed. one day when he told me that his uncle Mike would talk to him at night when he was in bed. Now, um, you have to understand that he didn't talk very much at that age because he has autism. So uh, when he said something, he really meant it. And Uncle Mike is my brother. And I am a firm believer of the paranormal. So I did wonder if possibly it was my dad who had passed away one year and one week exactly before um, my son was born because my brother looks so much like my dad. But um, I just would say that's nice and because I was so happy that he was no longer afraid at night and um, yell the man, the man, who I have seen go into his room, but that's another story. Anyway, um, we hadn't lived here very long in the house that we are in now. And at the time that he said Uncle Mike was visiting him. So uh, one day I was putting up new pictures on the walls. And, um, you know, he was kind of following me around the house. And he started tapping on one of the pictures. He climbed up on the sofa and he was tapping on it going, Hey, Mom, that's Uncle Mike. That's him. And it was a picture of my dad. And it makes me smile to remember that, him standing on the sofa and tapping on that picture because it kind of made me feel like, hey, maybe he stopped being afraid of the man because my dad was talking to him at night. Well, um, I have lots more stories to tell you about the man who now visits my daughter. Um, And she calls him the businessman because um, sometimes he appears with a hat. And it is a shadow man because I have seen him. I used to sleep My husband and I used to sleep in the room she sleeps in now, and I had seen that shadow go into my son's room. So uh, another time, possibly, I will call back and tell you more about our uh, experiences with the man. I want to thank you for your show. It's a great show, and uh, have a good day. The man. I think it's interesting that both of the children at separate times now see this, and it's not you know, just one of the children used to see it. Nobody else ever saw it. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily one of those cases where one of the children has you know, special abilities. I mean, they may or may not, but it sounds more like <clears throat> this is something that anyone can see. So I wonder on the flip side of that, since the little sister could see it too, if she ever saw the grandfather who the son thought was the uncle because the, the uncle and the grandfather resembled each other makes you wonder if she ever saw him too i wonder if they're in business together in the afterlife no can you start a business in the afterlife you would find a way to do so can you do that and like sell products to other ghosts or services to other ghosts you will you will probably find a way to tell other ghosts that you can help them enhance their haunting experience be great. Whenever you get it, you know, like, what, what's the currency? Do you get like get souls, and then you can? Is, now I, you're just on I, the verge of being the devil. I know. So. <laughs> I think that's that's how gods begin, isn't it? Like where you can essentially start bartering. Oh, here you do. So that there you go. It's not something you should mess with. Started as a ghost, and you're like, oh no, if you, I'll, I'll I will give you the the audiobook series on how to enhance your haunting experience all you have to do is give me your soul for 200 years i'm a collector demon yeah then i can start then it's up to me how i want to use those (laughs) 
don't, don't do that. <laughs> I could become a very powerful ghost. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Uh, yeah. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Michael writes, and with all due fairness, I suppose that I should start by saying that I don't really remember much of anything that could be considered paranormal in nature occurring in my life prior to our moving to uh, Alaska Avenue. Uh... But then I was four or five years old when we had moved there. And to be totally honest, I don't really remember much of anything at all about my life prior to that, with the exception of a few extremely memorable events that had nothing to do with the paranormal that were embedded into me in my very, in my very young mind. Mainly stupid kid things that I did, like driving my mom's car across the street into the house directly across from our house. But that's a totally different story, and the only thing that could be considered paranormal that was at the fence that uh, when my father got home, uh, it was uh, very likely that I might become a ghost myself. Uh, I've been told that my parents had lived in uh, Cocker Hill Hidden Valley, and somewhere in the uh, Denley Drive where I was born before arriving in Alaska Avenue, or on Alaska Avenue, all the way in Dallas, Texas. So they were obviously moving around a lot, and quite often, so it seems. There weren't very many kids our age living on our small street that I recall, which was a horseshoe road that was split in the middle by an alleyway. Our half of the horseshoe was Alaska Avenue, and the other half was Michigan Avenue. The uh, uh, DeLeons lived on the Michigan Avenue side. They had two daughters and a son that were all near our ages. We all went to the same school, and we played at their house almost every day. We all rode our bikes together, and we went to their birthday parties, and they came to our house fairly often to play as well. We even had a seance at their house one night, where we soon started to hear strange noises like tapping on the outside walls, scratching on the screen, strange voices and whispers, and even heard what sounded like someone or something dragging their feet heavily through the deep gravel drive that uh, stopped just below the knocking of our window. When we looked out the window, we could almost swear we could see a ghost, but to be totally honest, I think it was their parents messing with us. The real spooky stuff only happened at our house. Our home sat on a good-sized lot that was at the bottom left side of the horseshoe. The alley that divided the two streets ran on one side of the lot, and the road, Alaska Avenue, curved around on the other. The woman that had owned it before us, we were told, was terrified of being there alone at night. Her husband had died there, in the pigeon coops that now stood empty in the backyard on the alley side of the garage. The woman had two big dogs, evidenced by two huge paw prints in the cement on the patio nearest to the garage, with their names written next to each paw. The only name I remember is Rex. I cannot for the life of me remember the other dog's name, and not that it matters very much. We were also told that she kept every light on in the house all night long. She even put floodlights outside the house, lighting up the entire front and backyards. My parents should later say that they experienced a lot of weird stuff there, like my dad being woken up in the middle of the night, swearing someone was slapping him and pulling his hair. I can remember thinking I once saw the head of John F. Kennedy floating in my closet one night. It was 1966. And I can also vividly remember waking up several nights to find someone or something standing over me while I lay in bed staring at me. I'd assumed it was my mom or dad checking on me, so it never really freaked me out. They never said anything, just stood there staring down at me. But I do recall that I never actually saw them walk away. They just weren't there anymore. I do remember one night in particular that I woke up and someone was standing there, but it was my dad. He leaned down, whispered to me that someone was in the house and told me to get up and come with him. He had his gun and we headed towards the back of the house to the den. When we got there, the room was eerily lit up from the fire in the Dearborn heater and it looked as if someone was standing on the left side of the heater. He said, don't move, I've got a gun. When he said that, I swear the shadow moved from the left side of the heater to the right side, effectively blocking the light from the fire as it went. When it got to the right side of the heater, my dad fired four times at it and then flipped on the light and there was nothing. Nothing standing on the right side of the heater any longer. But there were four bullet holes in the wall on the right side. On the left side of the heater stood one of my mom's dresses that she had hung there on a portable hanger to dry with four still smoking holes in it. We both looked at each other and then back to the dress, then behind us to see my mom glaring at us. She then turned and stomped off towards their bedroom, slamming the door as she went. 
I'm sure that a lot of things that happened went unnoticed or unrecognized as paranormal by my parents or by me and my brother, mainly because of the fact that busy adults may not or may notice something and think, what the hell was that? Oh well, and be back on their busy routine and little kids. Well, they see much more, aren't apt to instantly think, that's a ghost, or hey, that's not supposed to happen. They're more concerned about kid things that are usually off again without a second thought. That was not the case one night. I was lying in bed trying to go to sleep, but I felt nervous for some reason. I could hear my brother softly snoring in bed next to in the bed next to mine, and I got up and crept down the hall to my parents' room. Once inside, I could hear my dad snoring, and my mom was breathing deeply and evenly. I was the only one awake in the whole house. Walking softly back to my bed and climbing in, I peeked out of the curtain to look at the moon. It was full and cast an eerie glow across the backyard. I could see our dog, Cricket, standing over by the end of the garage near where the chicken coops had once stood. My dad had torn them down and put in some clothesline poles for my mom on the spot. She had her head low, ears back, and her uh, heckles were up. What, what, what are that? Heckles on a dog? What does that mean? That's that hair spot on the back of their neck. Oh, I've never knew the, uh, the name for that. I've heard it called haunches, too. There you go. It's a couple of different things. She looked like she would if she was growling at something or about to attack something. As I watched her, she suddenly stiffened and turned towards the house and ran several feet before stopping and looking back towards the coop area. Only now she had her head low and her tail was between her legs. She was scared. I watched as she turned quickly back towards the house and came right to my window, whining loudly and turning to watch fretfully behind her. I looked in the direction she was watching, towards the corner of the garage, and could see a faint glow coming from around the backside of the garage, almost like someone was standing just around the corner, holding a lantern. As I continued to watch, the glow became brighter and brighter as whatever was causing it to glow got closer and closer into the corner. Then the figure of a person came around the corner, glowing brightly as if it was lit up from the inside. The glow radiated out from the form, but you could still make out the shape of a person from within the bright glow. That's when Cricket cut loose, started yelping and jumping at the window, trying to get in. She was jumping against it so hard, thought she was going to break the glass out. Terrified, I quickly shut the curtain and scooted away from the window while she continued to jump against the window. Almost as soon as she started jumping against it, she stopped, but the glow was still there, coming in from around the edges of the curtain. I slowly pulled the edge of the curtain away from the window and peeked out. Cricket was gone, but the glowing person was still there and coming directly towards my window. I shut the curtain, grabbed my pillow, and shot off to the bed and into the corner of the room near the closet. I watched as the glow coming from around the curtain got brighter and brighter until the whole curtain was lit up as if it was broad daylight outside. That's when I heard the knocks. Three slow, very loud knocks on the window. I was terrified and couldn't move if I wanted to just stared at the window, trembling in fear. Then three more very loud knocks buried my face in the pillow across my knees and started to cry. The next thing I remember was my mom waking me up and it was morning. She seemed, she seemed angry and was asking me if I had wet my bed. I said that I had it and that, then she asked why I was asleep in the corner. Just told her that I didn't know. Maybe I fell out of bed and rolled over here. She just looked at me frowning and told me to get up and get dressed and go feed Cricket. Cricket, I blurted. I'd forgotten about her. Jumped up, pulled on my jeans, boots, t-shirt, and went out the back door to find her. Looked everywhere, but she was nowhere to be found. I was standing there trying to imagine where she could be when I noticed the freshly dug hole at the edge of the house. Went over, peered into the hole, and whispered, Cricket? I instantly heard her start thumping her tail as she wagged it, but she refused to come to me. I went to the house, got a bowl of her food, and brought it out to her. Kneeling down and shining a flashlight in there, I could see her about eight feet in, lying there and wagging her tail. It took about 30 minutes of soothing talk and cooning noises to get her to come to the edge of the hole where I could grab a hold of her. She still didn't want to come out, so I had to drag her out by her front feet. When I got her out and let go, she headed back for the hole, grabbed her and pulled her into my lap and started petting her and soothing her. She finally relaxed some enough to crawl out of my lap and start to nibble on her food. Went back to the house to eat my breakfast and finish getting dressed. I had on dirty jeans, shirt, and no socks. When our breakfast was over, we had cleaned up the table. My mom asked me to go to the closet next to the garage and bring in a box of dishes for her. 
The house was sort of L-shaped, and the closet was a utility closet that was on the outside of the garage. I said, okay, headed to the door, and was greeted by a grateful cricket. She jumped up on my leg wanting to play, but I told her she had to wait. Mom wants something from the closet. She followed me for a little ways, but I neared the, as I neared the closet, she stopped and started whining. I looked at her, and I reached for the doorknob, and she turned and slunk back towards the hole under the house. She stopped and looked back at me when she got to it, and as I tried to turn the knob, she whined loudly and went back under the house. Crazy dog, I muttered to myself, trying to open the closet door. It was locked. Aggravated, I turned and headed back towards the house to get a butter knife to jimmy the latch. Mom asked where the box was, and I told her the door was locked and I had to get a butter knife. She said that there wasn't a key for that door and was mad that someone had locked it. I told her I could get it opened and headed back outside with the butter knife. When I got to the door, the strangest feeling came over me. My whole body seemed to tingle, and I felt dizzy. Shaking it off, I inserted the edge of the butter knife in the crack of the door near the latch and popped it open. When I opened the door, my mouth dropped. There were no stacked boxes of dishes and junk that my parents had stored in there. Only a neatly stacked pile of firewood about four feet high with a pure white goose or swan lying across the top of it, wings spread out to its sides as if it was flying and its neck was tied in a perfect knot. I slammed the door shut and bolted for the house. When it came rushing into the kitchen, my mom about jumped through the ceiling. God damn it, what's wrong with you? Don't scare me like that. Where's the box of dishes I sent you for? quickly told her what I had seen, and she said, Never mind, move, I'll get them myself, and stomped towards the door. I quickly followed and trailed her all the way to that door. It was locked. I told her I still had the butter knife, and stepped meekly forward, once again slipped into the crack and popped the latch. When it swung open, she showed me, or shoved me aside and reached inside and pulled out a large box of dishes and headed for the house, leaving the door wide open and saying, don't close it yet, I need some more things from there, and your father's going to hear about the lie you told me when he gets home. I didn't care. I just stood there, staring into the closet. A closet full of boxes and packed dishes and other household stuff that hadn't been there 15 minutes ago. I think there's definitely something more going on there than just the old man that died in the pigeon coop. Ghost swans! What does a swan symbolize? Because with the knot in its neck and Mm -hmm. the firewood, I don't understand that. I don't know. I I mean, my gut would say like something peaceful, but Mm -hmm. the knot in its neck, does it mean like literally like it had like its neck had been like tied into a knot or it was just kind of like bending its neck? It sounded like it had its neck tied in a knot. Like somebody got it tied its neck in a knot and not that i think that's even possible but that was what he saw so that's bizarre that is very bizarre i mean the the glowing person in the backyard knocking on the window that's enough to terrify you sure the the weird goose in the closet if anyone has any ideas on the symbolism there um be interesting to hear yeah those are ones i've never heard in a story Mm-mm. Like this. I mean, I've heard of like swans, like, you know, like, oh, and, you know, after we saw grandpa or, you know, we heard his voice, we saw a swan peacefully floating through the lake. Well, or maybe you know. the knot in the neck represents messing up the peacefulness. I don't know. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Or a demon swan that's going to come eat the dog. No, the demon dog, swan. The dog didn't like it. Clearly, it would disturb the dog. It's a white swan, not a black swan. Demon so. swan. That's what we should have named the episode. Demon swan. I bet you, if we named it, we'd be the, we would be at the top of Google like that for that term because yeah. I'm sure that's such a a term that is is searched all the time. Are you throwing your cordless mouse? Now? My mouse fell. Uh huh. I saw your hand hit it by accident. My hand. Did, I was trying to grab for it because it was sliding off my leg. <laughs> and I'm talking about the mouse that I, I use to control. The uh, the thing I'm reading off of, I just I can like kind of move around here and press a little scroll button and. And you are so graceful, like a swan <clears throat> when you do it. It is that's that's part of it. Mm-hmm. I am like a swan, like the swan with a knot in its. Mouth. I'm like a swan. I drop my mouse. Okay. You don't know what I'm doing. That's enough. Reading stories of demon swans. <laughs> it's a follow up to that song. Remember that? I hated that song. Okay. Anyhow, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. 
Uh, Tracy writes in. Hey, Tony and Jenny. Tracy here uh, from the great state of West Virginia. Hope everything is going well on your end of the podcast. Promised you after my first story that I would tell you another experience of mine. Just to refresh Tony's memory about my previous tale, I had the steampunk wedding in the historical town uh, in West Virginia takes place when I was 17 years old. It was uh, summer, and with every summer, we spent much of our time at uh, Claytor Lake in uh, Dublin, Virginia. My family belonged to a small private campground conservation club there. We spent nearly every weekend swimming, fishing, boating, and just generally enjoying the lake. My family consisted of my parents, my younger sister, two aunts, two uncles. Every weekend, we would head to the campground and stay usually uh, two or three days, depending on work schedules. Looking back, these were some of the best days of my life because I got to spend it with what I loved the most. Anyway, the campground was basically situated on top of a mountain with camping spots cut out in various areas of the forest. The point of our club was to have uh, uh, conserve Mother Nature, so the forest was still very dense. Wildlife still lived there, and it's not an unusual occurrence to see deer, even occasional bears, wander in the forest. A long dirt road connects all the camping spots to the bathhouse, picnic shelter, and the docking area at the bottom of the mountain. There's a few uh, dusk-to-dawn lights, maybe five for the entire campground, so at night it can be very dark. Many people, or most people, have small decks or porches built off their campers with a few torches or strings of lights, but those are usually kept to a minimum. The closest town to the campground is about ten miles away, so there isn't a lot of light pollution either. On this night in particular, my family and I gathered at our pontoon boat at about 8 at night. My family enjoys catfishing at night, so we made plans to stay out until the wee hours in the morning. I, however, hated fishing, so I came equipped to read and doze on the boat. The boat was an uneventful or uneventful and, uh, trip, and we cruised a lake, fished, slept a little, and just had a good time. At about three in the morning, my family docked our boat and prepared to disembark. Our trucks were parked at the picnic shelter because we weren't allowed to park at the boat slip. The way to get back to the cars was a long, unlit, winding trail back up the side of the hill. Thick trees lined the path, so at a certain point it was pitch black on the trail. My family busied themselves gathering up our things from the boat, and I had a sudden overwhelming urge to urinate. I thought my bladder was going to burst and told my mom I was going to head up on the hill alone. I hated going alone, but everyone else was busy and wanting to get back to the camper, and unfortunately, I could not wait. Grabbed a flashlight, made the dark trek to the bathhouse that was near the parking area and the picnic shelter. It was very quiet as I headed up the hill. I could still hear the muffled voices of my family. However, the further I went up the trail, the quieter it became. The light quickly bled away, and I was enveloped in the darkness and the quiet. The parking lot was empty except for my family's vehicles and the dusk-to-dawn light. This area of the campground did not have any campers. They were up the mountain a good ways, about a fourth of a mile or so. I was completely alone, and I could see the dark blob in the distance that was the bathhouse. I went to the door, unlocking the hasp lock, a mechanism that, upon completely closing the door, you had to fold a piece of metal over another piece of metal. This was done so that that snakes and other wildlife couldn't get into the bathhouse by accident. The doorknob latched, but not very securely, so the hasp lock was put into place as an extra precaution. By this point, I'm literally doing a little dance, trying to juggle the lock and my flashlight and not wet myself. The bathhouse itself is separate men's and women's facility. The building's about 15 feet long, 8 foot high, made of cinder block and a tin roof. There were skylights made of opaque, thick, hard plastic, which acted to give natural lighting during the day, but did nothing at night. A single bulb hung in the center of each bathroom, casting shadows onto the shower stall and two small toilet stalls. Flipped on the light, closed the door behind me, with a very loud, resounding squeal. I was alone in the bathhouse and could tell by the absolute silence that the men's room was empty as well. Entering the stall, I took my place on the toilet and began to relieve myself. My flashlight sat at my feet in front of me, casting a beam of light onto the floor. I sighed, happy that I hadn't exploded, and kept my dignity when I heard a voice say, "'Tracy?' It was a deep, gravelly voice, and the sound uh, startled me at first. I replied, yeah. The deep realization touched my brain. This was not the voice of anyone I recognized. My heart skipped a beat as I sat there, waiting to see if I would hear the door squeal open. 
The voice spoke again and the words chilled me to my marrow. I can see you and I'm here. His voice seemed colder and it had seconds more colder than it had seconds before. Terror filled me and I jumped up, yanking up my shorts and unlocked the bathroom stall at the same time. Ran out of the bathroom, the door slamming shut behind me, running towards the parking lot. My family was all there, packing up our things. My dad and one of my uncles saw me and realized something was wrong. See a snake? My dad asked me, with a bit of a laugh. Everything was still very quiet. Not even the sounds of the crickets or frogs were filling the air. All I could do was shake my head frantically as I tried to open the door to the truck. A man, I blurted out. My dad and uncle took off no more than 20 seconds after I had appeared through the bathroom door. They went in the bathhouse, searched for a man. My remaining family tried to calm me down, but I was petrified. I could see them opening and closing the door to both the men's and women's room, looking around the entire building and even up into the dense forest for a good 15 minutes. They came back. Where did you see a man? My dad asked. I was still shaking. I didn't see him. He said he could see me. I told him, my voice shaking and filled with tears. My dad and uncle told my mom that the women's room was unlocked and empty, just as I'd left it. My flashlight was in the floor where I'd left it. He told my mom that they had to open the hasp on the men's room to check it, but no one was inside and no one could have locked it from the inside. They checked around the building and up into the woods, but couldn't find any evidence of anyone that had run away. The woods are very thick behind the bathhouse, and you'd be wandering blind without a light source in them. My mom and aunts told my uh, told me, uh, my dad and uncle, that they hadn't seen anyone either. To this day, I don't know what spoke to me. I have a hard time returning to that particular bathhouse and felt a sense of unease when I'm there, even before this incident occurred. I'm positive I wasn't imagining things and haven't had an incident like that before or since. Keep up the great work, and I'll write in again and tell you about my strange incidents that occasionally occur at my home. Take care. Tracy. Do you think maybe he was just trying to make contact and not really be creepy like I'm watching you do your business, but more of, can you hear me or can you see me? I'm here. I could see it being... You know, just as, as human beings can say the wrong things at the wrong time and really not mean anything uh-huh. bad about it, not like, I'm watching you pee, just more so like, for whatever reason, this entity may have, you know, it may have been the first time it ran across someone, maybe they're there a lot, maybe they don't have the energy at certain times to express themselves verbally to someone, and it just happened that this was the only window he had. Uh-huh. It's like, hey... I'm here. I see you. You know, do you see me? You know, or something. But, but unfortunately, it gets cut off at the do you see me part. Sure. And uh, of course, someone's going to the bathroom the worst time you could possibly say that. I could see a ghost being fairly embarrassed by like, oh, damn it. I didn't mean it like that. And then he's, you know, sitting there <laughs> trying to like, no, no, I'm not trying to front. I'm just, I'm, you know, yeah. And then she ran away. And I could see that being the case. It's kind of a cluster ghost. Yeah, sounds like it. You know, there's cluster people. There's some sure cluster ghosts who also mm-hmm. have very bad timing with things and just, you know, they don't mean ill. It's just, <laughs> they're just clusters. Yeah. So I could see that have been being the case <laughs> uh, in this specific situation. But I, I mean, I don't blame. I mean, I think anyone would have been freaking out, you know. Oh, yeah. In the bathhouse at 3 a.m. in the woods and there's no, there shouldn't be anyone there. That's just, you know. Either that or it was Smokey the Bear. You think it was Smokey the Bear? If the if the message would have been, only you can prevent a forest fire, and then it was done. That I, would be funny if a ghost did that. I would have done that if I was a ghost. If I like knew I had the energy <laughs> to say something, like, okay, well, what possibly could I say that would be really bizarre, but funny at the same time? Uh-huh. Like, fire danger's high today. Only you can prevent a forest fire. And then just <laughs> gone. That's what I would have done. Yeah. So there you go. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi. Hello. I'm blurred to get another one of your podcast on uh, YouTube right now. I think it's the newest one. Um, I found your guys' show about, uh, I think, almost two weeks ago, and that's the only thing I listen to on the work. I work nine and a half hours. It helps my work. Uh, they go really quick, but... Or, um, I really have a story that I want to tell you. It's from when uh, I first originally moved my parents up to Florence. Um, 
I was down in Brunswick County at the time, and uh, it was just time for me to move my father. So I was about 14 years old. I moved my father and my stepmother into a townhouse here in Florence, Kentucky. Um, it was all fine and all that, but uh, once we, you know, once I started settling, it was okay. Um, but then weird stuff started happening, like out of the blue, like before then or even before I moved in, it really didn't have anything. But uh, it started when my brother moved in with us because he got in trouble while he was uh, living in Ohio. Um, we didn't. We, it was it was a two bedroom uh, townhouse. It was really small. We didn't have much enough, you know, much room in my bedroom alone. And then you were in the house. Uh, there was uh, or my room was only enough for like a TV stand and a bed, and maybe a little no, a little more room to play with cars in the middle. Uh, my brother moved in with me. We I we shared a bedroom. It was more packed than it was before, but we ended up managing. Um, the house layout is really kind of weird. Uh, you would walk out of my bed, our, our bedroom and go back, and it would be my mom and dad's room on the uh, left, or the right side of my bed. And then you keep going straight, it would be their, their the bathroom. Um, if you came out and you went on the rice, and you, you were coming out of the bathroom and going into the living room, on the right-hand side was a, um, with a little opening for the kitchen and you can keep walking through it and it would turn into like a half circle and you would go out to the living room and then there would be the living room and then you know dining room all that stuff well my dad was my dad was sitting up one night and we it was um, Tuesday night and we were already in bed for school and all that uh, this is right after my brother moved in uh, my brother got signed in he was going to go to school the, the, that day um, my dad was sitting there and all of a sudden, he heard somebody in, wrestling in the kitchen. And um, he, he's like, well, whoever's in there, if you can grab me a drink, we please do it. And uh, you can go back to bed. You got school in the morning. So he waited and waited. He goes, I want, you know, where's my drink at? So he looked through the left-hand side because it came out through the uh, dining room. There was nobody in there. He looked on the right-hand side real quick and seen something run into our room. And he thought it was one of us, you know, getting up and trying to mess with them. He kind of got upset about it. Um, he said, well, if you guys are, you know, if you're not in bed by the time I get in there, you're getting your you know, butt whooped. So he walked in our bedroom, and lo and behold, me and my brother were both sleeping. We were in deep sleep. Um, he came back out for like, kind of weirded out by the fact that, you know, he'd just seen somebody run in our room, but here we are fast asleep. So uh, he gets back on the computer, you know, doing his thing. Uh, and all of a sudden he hears the door, refrigerator door open up. And he's like, you know what, now I'm, I'm done. He was really mad. He was pissed. And he started messing with him. He heard the door open, and then he heard somebody run back to the kitchen real quick and then into our room again. He says, you know what, I'm done. I, it has to be the boys. So he gets up. Sure enough, we're dead asleep. He starts to freak out a little bit because he just heard somebody open the refrigerator door and then walked into our room, seen him go into our room, and here we are, asleep. So he goes sits down real quick and acts like he's typing because he's like, you know, either it's the boys or I'm imagining things. My dad finally hears somebody come out of the kitchen again. And he looks over onto the right-hand side to where it shoots. We can see straight through all the way to the bathroom. And you hear the door close again real quick and somebody come out. He, he, he said that his heart stopped because there was nobody there, but it was a shadow. He said that it came from the kitchen, walked right, because our, our kitchen door winds up with our bedroom door. And we always leave our bedroom door open at night. That way our dad can come in here and wake us up for school. And it was just an old door and stuff like that. Ended up locking up on us one time, so it just stayed open. And there is no door on that one side of the kitchen. So he looked through, and there was somebody standing in the middle of the hallway. You couldn't see face. You couldn't see no details, but you could see it, clearly see an outline of a body. It was a dark figure, and it just stood there. 
waiting to see, waiting to, you might, for my father to look back over again. My father gradually looked, looked a little farther over. He finally seen him and booked it into our room again. My dad was really freaked out because something just ran into his, uh, his kid's room. He didn't know who, what it was. So he got up, walked to my, walked in our room, turned on our light, woke us up, and looked around for it. And we kind of thought that he was just tired and you know, was either losing his mind or something. But me and my brother just laughed it off the next day. Um, but it really freaked him out. We really didn't know what what it was. But the only time we've ever, you know, the only time we've actually ever had anything else happen besides that was uh, when <clears throat> me and my sister, when she came to live with us. Uh, we were sitting in the living room, it was just me and her, and uh, we. My dad had a really big, uh, big screen TV. It was on the old-fashioned one. Um, we were sitting there, and we turned on the TV, and all it was was a static. And we had, we made sure all the you know cords were hooked up right. And we turned off, or maybe you know just the TV. We turned it off real quick, and then turned it back on, and turned it back off again. We finally turned it back on, and it was black. The only thing you can actually see was a figure in the TV, and the static was inside the body. Outside the body was completely jet black. There was nothing out. Me and my sister started freaking out and said, shit, shit, turn it off, turn it off. We have turned it off real quick, and we're scared shitless right now at this point. Because this has never happened to us. So we turned the TV back on and went right directly to cable. We couldn't see no static, no nothing. It was a normal picture, normal show. Um, but come to find out, uh, when she was with us, she was practicing witchcraft. Um, it kind of brought some bad stuff around, apparently. And my brother was in some bad stuff, too. So I'm guessing that's what caused the, um, the shadow people. But uh, my sister, when she got into Wiccan, or when she got into witchcraft, it, it caused some really stuff, really bad stuff to happen, too, as well. Um, one night I remember that uh, we were we were sitting laying down the bar in the living room because we were moving out the next day and um, we were all laying in the living room my cousins came over to help us so we were all you know, we were all getting ready to go to bed we were just all around you know talking and stuff like that um, and all of a sudden we seen a light from the left hand side of the living room and my brother's like do you see that I said, what are you talking about? You know, because we, we couldn't see anything. So we all get up and we look over to the left-hand side. Sure to hell enough, there is a head floating toward us. I don't know what the hell it was. We were scared shitless. My dad came running out with his gun and thought somebody broke in. And he seen it and told us all good to his bedroom. And we all ran to his bedroom, locked the door and stayed there till morning. Other than that, we didn't hear anything else or see anything else. Besides, the next day, uh, we were grabbing some stuff that we had left over that night, and my dad was coming out and talking to our neighbor, because the houses were conjoined besides, you know, the wall. And he looks over real quick, and he seen somebody come from the dude's bedroom over to his living room, and it was a shadow person. My dad said, well, good luck, and then got to rest his shit and got out. I want to thank you guys for doing your show, giving me something to do, doing work. I really don't get the. I'm a security guard, so it, it helps. It really helps pass the time. But I want to say thank you, and you guys have a good day. Well, thank you for your call. We're happy that you know you make us part of your day, and it's always fun to hear how people incorporate us into their routines. But mm-hmm. uh, disembodied head floating towards you—not usually something that's good. Yeah, that usually doesn't necessarily mean a uh, a human ghost is is what you have uh, uh, to deal with there. What's kind of disturbing about it, I mean, you know, he said his sister was getting into some things um, and not such the good side of things, it sounds like. Um, I wonder how many hauntings are uh, that are unexplained where it's like, well, it's not, there's like nobody that died here. There's not, you know necessarily a logical reason for things to be happening where there is a family member or someone close dabbling in something uh, that they don't really know what they're getting into mm-hmm. and they're not revealing it to others that they're dabbling in it 
and other people are experiencing the the effect of it well that's that individual who may be doing the dabbling is completely oblivious to it i could see that being the case i mean there's so many people that are curious about those types mm-hmm. of practices that i'm sure they get into it before they really know what they're doing and they they probably inadvertently do some stuff like what you just said yeah without knowing what they're they're practicing yeah for example using a kentucky fried chicken instead of a nobody does that nobody does that it will be in the news at some point oh it w- but you know i kind of it's what i mean i mean it not yeah. necessarily using a kentucky fried chicken probably more so a rotisserie a full because I mean, I think most people know that you can't just use like the parts. You can't like oh, a chicken leg and a thigh, and you know, it's probably not even from the same chicken. Yeah. So. <laughs> I have nothing to say in response to that. Could you do that using like? Could you repiece the chicken together? No, this if, is even a if it's the wrong stupid chicken? conversation. No. It goes back to like that one movie I was talking about where they were like somebody was like putting together like the body and they were like using different arm like a different arm and leg and was that bringing out the dead it was that one weird Frankenstein no it was like a 90s movie that was I could it was like Nicolas Cage or something but it was very dark and they were putting together essentially um, it was some sort of bizarro ritual and they had to piece together a body, but um, it was on a cross, and they were using different, it was about all these different murders that people were, and they were like, an arm was missing on this one, a leg was missing on that one, a head was missing on this one. And then the, that one part was then going into this Franken thing that they were building, and it wasn't designed to like come back to life, it was just a okay. ritualistic thing. But I'm saying, could you do that with a chicken? No. <laughs> That's what you got the bucket for, right there. Wow. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> There you go. Get on that note. That wraps up today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in and share your real ghost story with us. You can also write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Please consider supporting the show as well if you like it. Keep us on the air. Only five bucks a month to be an EPP, extra podcast person. Get a brand new bonus episode of the show every single week and access to our huge archive of bonus episodes. Uh, 30-some episodes now in there and uh, some bonus video. Good stuff. Check it out. RealGhostStoriesOnline.com Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.